Good evening, friends, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's great. How's, I'm how's your, alive and awake. How's your Wednesday going? Uh, good so far. We're Yeah, we're recording Wednesday instead of our regular Monday time because of recovering from rough weekend. Yeah. Not rough in a bad way, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't need to ask how your weekend was because I was there. Let's... Yay! Um... Yeah, let's go ahead and kick off by talking about our last weekend. So we did what has, in our circle of friends, become known as Fox Dencon, which is two actual words, but also the the names of myself and our buddy Fox, Geek Scholar Fox, we've had on the show a couple times. Um, Fox, and this time his wife joined us. Um, he flies out to Bloomington for the weekend. And this is the second time we've done this, so it's not like a long-standing tradition, but it's fairly well established, I think. Feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he comes out for the weekend, and I drive down, and we hang out and play games, very similar to uh, your ICG Con, just new, not with the, I don't know what like decade of experience and uh, right. and organization you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, and a little, and it's just, and it's just kind of our immediate friends type thing. Yeah, yeah, just a s- small group and many, many games. Uh, there were definitely times during the weekend where I felt like, man, I've not played as many games as I do at ICG Con, which is not saying much. Like, I've never experienced anything that's as much board game density as uh, as ICG Con, because of course right. Gen Con is all about gaming but there are all of these other events and there's travel or not travel but like transportation and um and all of those kind of things you know purchasing and and whatnot you don't actually play as many games per hour as as icg con or even as we do at this uh at this fox den con so a lot of games were played by various we did various people did you have um anything notable or like what was your was your favorite or or most enjoyable game that you played did you play anything new uh i played that trekking game oh yeah trekking you and i both played that trekking the national parks yeah that was pretty fun it's a good game i i I would recommend it i think that uh people who like and i i hate saying this but it's it's accurate uh like ticket to ride Mm -hmm. it's kind of that ish there's a little bit of um weird Set building, yes. I ticket to ride is weird because I want to consider ticket to ride a simple everybody can play and pick up and give it to even your family and anyone can play it. Mm-hmm. But I know that ticket to ride is like at, you go to Gen Con, it's super hardcore and there are hardcore fanatics. Yeah, it it has what you could stuff. maybe call a high skill cap, where if you're playing with a certain kind of player, I won't name any names, um, and they've played a lot. They sort of know where all the routes are and can play more aggressively than your typical, you know, the way that most people play is just a a sort of race. Um, Sure. Where the National Parks game doesn't really have that. Like, you can be directly aggressive, but it's not very hard to, you know, because it's got that that movement mechanic. It's, It's not a huge setback for somebody to... You know, you put them back one turn or two turns, maybe to to pick up cards to get back out where they were, or maybe they have to get a different uh, 
park instead. It doesn't have the thing Ticket to Ride has where if your route is blocked off, you're just SOL. Yeah, right. And so and so that's I, cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that it, game it as well. Felt, it felt light enough. Like, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I do think that if I played it with my family that they would know it easily and learn it quickly and not have any problems and it's it wasn't long i would say it's it's easier to to learn and play than ticket to ride even is oh that's that's saying a lot yeah so that that, that's that's a that was a new game that i played that was fun Mm -hmm. um i enjoyed i enjoyed there wasn't a game i played that i didn't enjoy that i mean sometimes you can play a game you're like eh, Mm -hmm. i'm not really in that one but i think I, i played i actually played you're right didn't, not as much as ICGCon, but I still played a lot, I think. Yeah, when was, when Trotsky put together the list, I was like, wow, that was, that was a lot of games that did get played. Yeah, I paid, played about half of those, I know. Did you the, did you get in the Imperial Assault game? No, I did not. I, I was I was, I was going to probably pay, if they really actually got together that Dune game, I mm. was going to volunteer to get in that one. But besides that, I didn't, I didn't really want to kind of sit down a commitment to play yeah i was like six i was kind of in the same same boat we had one they had one extra seat for uh twilight imperium and mm. i'm like man i don't i'm not i have nothing against that but if i play that that's at least two maybe three other games that i can't play um yeah and so and, I and the big thing there is is exactly what happened at the end of that like it it does when you play that and you're playing it's a twilight imperium is a good game it's a really good game yeah and it's it gives you all of what you would expect from a good game over nine hours, <laughs> let's say. And and when you're done, you feel done. Yeah. Right? Like I'm I just wanna sit and watch T V or do whatever but you don't want to play another game yeah i mean we tried to i think a couple people maybe were open particularly fox who i think had was essentially eliminated fairly early i don't think ti has elimination but he you know lost enough progress that he was not coming back from it and so he sort of gave up and then you know he was i think willing to to play another game when that was over but most of the rest of the group were not um it's got all of that that way kind of um negotiation and strategy and diplomacy and yeah you spend seven eight nine hours doing that you're mentally and emotionally exhausted yeah really exhausted is a good word i know that that you're you're in it and and a good thing about like ti is that it does kind of keep you in in it mm-hmm. so you're you're pretty involved on other people's turns and right and they kind of make sense so you you have long strategies and it's just kind of a lot that's happening for a long time. And by the time you're done, you're like, wow, I just took a long time to get that far. So anyway, I didn't I didn't want to, to do that. I would rather I was looking forward to playing many different games mm-hmm. and the opportunity to have a lot of people there. Uh, when we have on our usual game weekends, we play. We can play anything we want, but we have we try to play games that are limited to the number of people that we have. So a lot of times it comes to what's a six player game, mm-hmm. right? But I don't get a lot of play a lot of what's you know play four player games, right? Um, but I knew that this kind of weekend that I could I could easily pick up four people and just start playing, um, like we did with um, Tyrants of the Underdark and such, right? And and so They're that's what real, I wanted to do is three play a lot of for that, right? So yeah, exactly like that. You you can just get up and play because there's plenty of people to get other games, and so I. That's what I wanted to do, and I think I, I accomplished that. I, I did play the longest game I played. I think I played was um, uh, 
um, Scythe. Scythe, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, we played Eon Zan Legacy, but that was two games. Yeah, we played two games of that, so it just right. felt Which, long. that was fun. That was also a very fun game. Yeah, that's a... It's fun. I mean, it's co-op deck builder. We've talked about it before. Um, it's it's difficult. It's not easy. And especially because we had our fourth player kept rotating around and then we were, you know, fairly tired and, and exhausted mm-hmm. by the the end of the second game that, uh, you know. We've... That first game was difficult and we won. And then the second game, like by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. In the second game, we just couldn't even come close. no. no. Right. And and it yeah, it's a difficult we're talking about what the game is called Aeon's End what's the whole thing? Didn't it have like a Yeah, Aeon's End and, but it's just Aeon's End legacy. Or maybe it's it's oh. Eons. Eons are okay. how that um, and it, it's it's a legacy game. And right. it's we've we've played it for a while now, about a year or so. Dennis says every time we get together we try to get together the same people yeah. and play it. And it's enjoyable enough. It's it's definitely no clank legacy. Um mm. but it's it's a it's a it's a good game and i like the co-op part of it and i like the people that we play with and it's really fun and entertaining but it has been a challenge it has been one where you you have to i don't even know how we win i mean we just it felt like every time we play we're just doing everything we can and somehow we win and then this last time was like we knew we were gonna lose and we did lose so i don't know maybe it's the game yeah anyway that was fun i think it takes a little more Maybe maybe it takes a little more um, um, teamwork than a game like Legendary, mm-hmm. um, which feels like Legendary. You can kind of and it you know scales with the number of players, but you can kind of just everybody do what's best for them, and usually be okay. Like somebody will or you know two players will build up enough attack to hit the mastermind four five times and and be good, right. but. Uh, this one maybe takes a little more, a little more coordination, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's but it, yeah, it's it, it's it rough for sure. Uh, so I yeah, I enjoyed that one. Those things. Uh, like I said, Scythe was fun. Mm-hmm. Scythe Scythe is just I on a, I mean I know I won, so it's, it always skews you a certain way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I I and I've always enjoyed that game, mm-hmm. and. Because it's so much. There's so much to it. So many parts. So many things. But really, everything... I guess I'm a fan of UI, right? And HCI and stuff like mm, that. Okay. And design. And and that game has... it. Everything is logical. Everything is like all the sp- stuff that hides the upgrades or makes sense. And you put them together. And you can almost learn the game without reading it. Yeah. Almost. I mean, I had never played that before. And... I I don't remember how the actual score mapping um, sure. p- played out. I know that's a thing I often look look at. I'm like, what's the point spread? Like, one person wins, another person loses. But you know, if if the scores were all around fifty, and the the plus minus, you know, the difference between first place and third place was within five points, I'm like, wow, that's really tight. That's a good. Um, yeah, that's a good game, you know, kind of even playing field type thing. But um, I think that I had I had at least four uh, achievements and maybe even mm-hmm. five um, against. I think you had six and, and Chris had five or, or somewhere thereabouts. 
maybe right. even both had six. And that's, you know, pretty good for having never played it. And I'm thinking sure. back to all of the all of the rules and the little bits. It's like you you spend this to un- upgrade this, and that gets this, and this unlocks that. And then the card, I don't know if you noticed this. I definitely did. The reference card has advice for your first like five rounds which i've never seen before oh i didn't know um they're like oh the first thing you should do is you know on your first turn do this on your second turn try to do this by your fourth turn you should be trying to figure out what you're gonna specialize in kind of thing oh that's cool and so in addition to just the mechanics of the game the the instructions have a little bit of strategy for you and yeah, it's kind of nice for con, a con, big, big game. Yeah, considering like. all the things that were going on, I very rarely heard like questions, like "So does yeah, this do thing?" And I was not the only new player. There were at least two more um, right. new players. And considering that, and considering you know, time of day, mental exhaustion, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was Saturday, I think. It was early in the day, but it was Saturday. We had been, you know, playing games and partying for since Thursday night. Um, yeah. And that's that's fairly impressive to have that little amount of of confusion. And You know, that if you look, uh, that, that instruction booklet actually wasn't very big. Right. Right? It's like, I want to say like four or five pages at most, and then like, three pages of just, you know, clarifications and, you know, like examples or glossary mm-hmm. or something, you know, but, but it, it doesn't, it might even be less pages than that for instructions. Cause it, it's set up as like three pages, right? Um, but it, it's not, it's not, it, if you just get the people going to look at it online, if you've never heard or seen Scythe, you can see, you'll look at it and you'll be immediately intimidated by all of the, the bits. And <laughs> yeah. Pieces it has a lot bits. of wooden bits. Right. But I guess my general comment on that is that like, that's something that you, if you've always been like, that'd be cool to get into but I just can't wrap my head around all the time and effort and it's going to go into it. This is one that has all those things, but really you can easily, and Sydney played that one with us. Yeah. It's less and, complicated than yeah. it looks. Yeah. Well, which, which was fun. And they and, have, and a, not even comp cause it is complicated, but yeah. m- very often complicated games are confusing or confusing is kind of derogatory but like they're just there's just a lot there's a lot to learn and understand and and keep keep straight in your head like a game i mean a game as simple in its components as carcassonne right is fairly difficult for a new player right sure you're like how do the how do the farms work how do the monasteries work um all of that, and that's just—it's just meeples and tiles. Like the components right. are not that complex, but the rules kind of are. Where this is the other way around. It's like there are a lot of different shapes, and every faction's little meeples are different. I don't know if that's a Kickstarter thing, but um, there's those. There are round ones. There are square ones. There are the yeah. little buildings that are different shapes. So you get handed this pile of wooden bits and you're like, what have I gotten myself into? But then exactly when you get to right. actually playing, it's not that complicated. It really isn't. And you have like four things you can do and they're, they're written there on the page right in front of you with very, very simple icons, you know, like pay this thing equals this thing. 
yeah. goes here. And you're like, you know? you're like, take this out and you take the cube from the top row and put it in the bottom. The only, the only thing that was sort of ongoing confusion was everybody's boards being slightly different. And so yeah, right. we were confused on the enlist action and which that, you know, because my enlist is at the bottom of my move card, but Andrew's was build on top enlist on the bottom. And I understand why they do that. It's, you know, to keep the replay replayability high with the, um, you know, variation in your, yeah. in your UI, as you called it earlier. Um, yeah. And, and they, and they, it, it's a different experience on how you play. Like, you know, one is a fast builder with more things. One is a mech builder because he does, right. he's cheaper things. So yeah, that, it, that's another thing about that game is it has, it does have subtle variations that are pretty, feel pretty well balanced and not huge swings, but enough, you know, it, my favorite thing about it is that it's a, it's a board game with tons of cool miniatures and mechs and, and, like guys on the board, but every time you play one of those, there's always like lots of combat. Like you're, I always get nervous on those PVP kind of games because I'm, mm. I'm just suck at them or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, what well, I don't suck at them, but I just you know makes me nervous that I, here I am, I want to do my thing, but somebody's going to come in and try to wipe all my guys out, and then it's just you know yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Um. But this game, this game is very light with that kind of combat. It has combat for sure, <clears throat> but the combat itself is. Very simple. I pick a number that I can pick. Eric can see with the random number that I got in a card. That's it. No extra things. Well, and then and unlike, you don't have to do it. Yeah. Unlike a game like Risk or a lot of other ones, there there is randomness. Like, I don't think you could do combat with no randomness and have it still be, well, chess. But chess, chess right. is already the best chess. So there's that. Right. But if you have enough attack power and the right card you can be guaranteed to win when you attack mm -hmm. um which is not right. true of anything else like um risk is this way combat in twilight imperium is this way like you got to roll the dice or you got to draw cards and so there's always a chance that the defender is going to roll all sixes and you know your whole plan will be for not just because some dice rolled the wrong way um yeah and, and so, this one, if and so, I appreciated that, seven, even though we didn't even really do any combat. Not right. None, I mean, but. I I had like I did the most combat, and I did two. And that's another thing. The game, yes, there is combat in there, and yes, there's points to it. But really, only two combats for yourself matter. Right. That's how you get your right. get your things. I mean, I played with the other guys, and our some of our other guys on our our group of friends are aggressive kind of players. So they're they're more of the. Um, I will do. I know combat doesn't give me any rewards, but the reward is that it's it's stopping you from doing a thing, mm. which is not my way to yeah, like to play right, things. Right. But when like I, when we played this last time, everyone was going for their goals. They weren't playing anti anyone else, and and that's pretty fun. So combat could happen, and I know that I had times when I had to do combat, but it's just not like a big deal if you lose. It's you know anyway. The, it has that that thing that the combat is there. But it's not the most important thing it's, of the whole it's game. It's just one of the ways you can win. And the consequences for losing a combat are generally not very high. Super minimal. They actually... You know, barely an inconvenience. Yeah, barely an inconvenience. If you... Like, I don't think you can lose any... Like, the, the worker units retreat too, don't they? Yeah, they... Like, you're yeah, just, just going to cause somebody a setback. Units, and if you attack workers, you lose popularity. So you're 
you know, discouraged from doing that. Which is great. It's kind of like one of those, if in the equivalent of a StarCraft thing, if you attack the drones, the workers on the other team, then you get major negatives. <laughs> right, right. Right? That's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, I hate playing those games where, like, well, I'm just going to fight your farms and you're crippled, crippled forever. Right. This, you can do that, but then it kind of cripples you too. Well, so. and, it's, and it's just reputation. So it's not awful. Like, it's not enough of a deterrent to keep somebody from – they're like, oh, I don't want to hit his, his units. Like, popularity is only one metric on the – like, it's important, but it's not huge. Right. Well, I, I would argue that it's the hugest thing, but, you know. Sure. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> did, you, um, um, did you play the, the legacy version of Scythe? When, I did not. When that was, no, that was the not. other group. Yeah, no, it was, was not me. I, I don't know if it was a legacy thing. Or maybe I think a, maybe it was a more campaign of a, or something. Yeah, it was a campaign. I think there was scenarios. Um, like I don't. I. I mean, the way I understand it, there wasn't stickers on the board, type thing. I think it was an open up packages and run a scenario, and this guy gets different advantages and starts here. And there's different cards. So right. maybe you get like a different card that says, "Oh, in this turn, your mechs do an extra damage." Yeah, we've we've you know. talked about that campaign versus legacy. Speaking of campaign versus legacy i um i borrowed our buddy aaron's copy of journeys of middle earth so i'm hoping in the next oh. couple weeks whenever andrew comes down again to maybe set that up and try it uh i think you won't be disappointed at all i think i actually think that that's something that i'm surprised that, that you didn't actually own that because well all the things it's that not, you bought that are it's campaign, not cheap that's one that's right up it's alley. not cheap and yeah, i still yeah. have gloomhaven like we've played gloomhaven Fewer than a dozen times, I think, over sure. the year and a half that I've owned it. And the last couple of times we dug it out and played it, it it was just okay. Like, yeah, uh, Andrew Andrew has been playing and, more importantly, running a lot of D&D lately. Mm-hmm. And so the sort of rigidity of the, of the rules system annoys him and, and any of the differences between the combat in D&D that he's more recently familiar with he's like this doesn't make sense and of course if he's the dm he can just you know change the rule if he wants where in a normal you know co-op board game we're like well we can change that rule but i don't want to be playing on easy mode just to win like then what's the point yeah. You know? right yeah and and gloomhaven has its own things we've, we've talked about this in the show but i i, I think the middle earth thing is a very unique campaign mm-hmm just the way it's ran and the way it does and how and the other thing is that it's such a heavy story thing and it's very much in the way of Lord of the Rings ish the way the story is told and sure. I know you're a, you're a lore guy for that and mm-hmm. it's so all of that like to, I enjoyed it and I was playing with a lot of non Lord of the Rings people right. and they enjoyed it so if they could enjoy it this is probably only going to be in, I, you know it's only going to be enhanced by somebody who's a Who's a Tolkien fan. A fan, a fan of those things. Right. And, and then you'll, I, I know I'd saw like Haldir and stuff. I'm like, I kind of vaguely know who that guy is, but I know that Dennis knows all of the things well, about this character. I don't and know stuff. about that. Did you, right. um, did you play Mansions of Madness? I did not play that. I've not played that one either. I, I saw them doing it and it looked really, really cool though. I saw people playing it. I wasn't sure if that was. Yeah, they had it like on the television or something that like part of it is on the yeah, it seems like it's similar. It's, that's another fantasy flight game. It's similar to Journeys of Middle Earth in that the there's an app, there's a companion app that's like 
the dungeon master. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of want to play that now that I saw them playing that and thought, thought that was, was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I know. I, I don't know if I've mentioned, I'm sure that I have mentioned it, but there, there's also a, um, it's funny. It's probably just whatever properties that fantasy flight can get the, can get the rights to, but they have a, um, Cthulhu or Arkham horror, uh, which is what Mansions of Mad- Madness is, um, living card game that's mm-hmm. that's solo or co-op the way that the Lord of the Rings one is. And some people say that because it came out after Lord of the Rings that the, the systems are better designed. Um, but it's that um, um, Lovecraftian sort of universe that's real dark and... Uh, and um, I don't want to. Maybe hopeless is the right word for it. Um, yeah. Then in in a way that doesn't appeal to me as much as the Lord of the Rings world. Um, sure, I agree. Yeah. And so that's always kind of kind of put me off that where this these two games these like companion app um, you know big big board kind of games the Cthulhu one came first and then yeah uh, Journeys of Middle Earth is their newest. Thing. it's always cool i know we've talked about this on the show before but it, it's always cool to me to watch the evolution of game companies game design as they you know make one and then another and like twilight imperium is on its fourth edition because they keep yeah. you know iterating on it and making improvements to the systems um and that's which is pretty neat yeah I, cool. I agree I like, I like i like that too i like when a a new game comes out in your genre and to see how they've made it better or what they've improved about it like I've always been a fan of deck builders and um, mm-hmm. you get one that's like, you know, it's, it's a deck builder, but then this is really cool that they fixed it in all the other deck builders, right. you know, that the other ones missed or something. So yeah, we said that always- last weekend about eons end, um, the, you know, you upgrade your deck as you play the legacy story, but your, your starting five cards and the, and your other five cards, because it's a 10 card starter, deck builder um your your starting hand is fixed so yeah. you don't have that oh i drew the i drew the two attack three uh purchasing hand so that's lame yeah, yeah. or the four and one um, oh right the starting it gives you a fixed starting hand right yeah yeah well the the um another thing non-game thing about this weekend i thought was it was interesting talking about it was uh, we have um, uh, one of the most important, I would say, things of having a get together of any kind, whether it just be hosting a party or or uh, like these long weekend gaming things with friends, whether it be ICG Con or Fox 10 Con, is the food. Okay, and sure. it's it's important that, that you have you know food that's <laughs> not just there, but you know it's good and it's it's one of those. It's very much a gathering thing like all food is you know you get together and everybody comes together and talks and hangs out it's a very social thing and we had some really great food this weekend but uh what was most uh remarkable in my opinion was uh when you i think it was you went out to uh this the grocery store on friday and you came back with like every (laughs) possible snack type thing in in kroger our local grocery store here or kind of local 
But um, Kroger's and local, but yeah, it's a big grocery store. Whatever the the grocery store, you bought everything I could think of, uh, from hummus and pitas to different kinds of dips and um, but just a full table. And I will say it was a lot more than we have for ICGCon, which has over thirty people in it for the whole weekend. And we always have a ton of it left, but. Everything that you had brought, I was, I remember thinking Friday, like, we are never going to go through this. And you're like, I just was, I was hungry, but we did. We like, everybody tore through all that stuff. It was all good. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a sequence of events. It's funny. I didn't think that's where you were going with that when you said most remarkable, because to me, the most remarkable thing was that our buddy Pete, um, made homemade sausage gravy, uh, eggs Benedict that was very reminiscent of our of our long lost, uh, long gone favorite food truck, Happy Pig, which won't, won't mean anything to listeners of the show who are not from or who didn't live in Bloomington like seven, eight years ago when they were when they were a thing. But they were a food truck and they made something called Belly Benedict, which was pork belly eggs Benedict with their homemade sausage gravy. And it was amazing. And uh, <laughs> and. Pete, it, that that was Pete fairly was, well Pete's, nailed. Pete's that version was, was uh, good. Yeah, it was very that delicious. flavor on that was Friday morning, I think. But yeah, we, we have a we also have a friend who uh, Aaron, who we've talked about it here, and Aaron has always said that he's not that big of a board gamer, right? Uh, although he does play with us, he he enjoys. He's one of our friends that comes over and hangs out with us and is a core part of our group, but just kind of hangs out as much as he plays things. And yeah, he was he plays he in the Tuesday in, night, which is already, you know, he plays more board games than I do on a sure, regular basis, true. you know, right. so there's that. But, but he, he comes he comes this like this weekend. I, I love that he would come for like a little bit and bring some awesome food and then just leave. And then he'd come back like a little bit later and bring some awesome food and then just leave and then leave <laughs> like he, he wouldn't he right. wouldn't stay. And I mean, he did stay and he hang did, out, right. but not. Not always, not all the time. But yeah, what happened with but the, I food loved it, the, the was friendship of that you know? last year at this at this event, uh, Fox decided he wanted to make dinner, and so I made a grocery store run and got various meats and pasta, and we made uh, spaghetti and meatballs with garlic bread. And so this year he had planned before you know the event <laughs> started that the out of towners would make dinner on Friday again. And so Friday morning, you know, we're talking about, or even Thursday night, like what, you know, he had a couple options. I think we landed on taco bar kind of, kind of thing, make some, make some different stuff. But one of the meat suggestions was crock pot. And, um, by the time certain games got going, I forget, like breakfast was kind of late. And then uh, this and this, like games started going, they were playing Imperial Assault, um, I was like, well, we're, we obviously can't do meat in the crock pot now. It's like 2.30. Um, and so Fox changed his plan to not make dinner, but instead just order a ton of sushi. And <laughs> that was they a did, ton and, of sushi. And there was a ton of sushi. But before that happened, we finished our game of Tyrants of the Underdark, and I went to the store, and I was kind of hungry, which you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to go to the grocery <laughs> store if you're hungry. But everything i looked at seemed like a good idea like i was getting um it was a good idea avocados and other produce so that um 
Fox's wife Jill could make guacamole because we had talked about Taco Bar and, you know, at least half a dozen people had heard the word guacamole and were like, I don't care what else we get, but I want guacamole now. <laughs> um, and so I was already getting that and Fox had said something about healthy snacks. So I got a fruit tray and a veggie tray and all of that produce for, for guacamole and also hummus and little people like... And then the chips, and then I'd see different kind of chips were on sale, and I'd get some of those, and I'd grab some Doritos because, you know, my brother Andrew was with us, and I knew that other people would eat Doritos if I, if I bought them. It's like a little bit of everything, and yeah, it was, it was a massive It was so much order. like you brought in bags, but, but unlike ICGCon, most of it was all gone. Yeah, well, then Saturday came around, and um, our buddy Aaron, who you mentioned, made bagels. Like he made bagels. homemade bagels, and then yeah. Fox and Jill ran to the store and got you know some 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 supplementary supplementary bagels and um, a bunch of other stuff. And so we had <laughs> all this breakfast. Oh, they got a bunch of um, uh, cold cuts, deli meats. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. And so there was no there were no meals, right? Like we had that bagel sort of free-for-all breakfast and then everybody mm-hmm. just ate snack food for the rest of the day until right, yeah. um until trotsky made frozen chicken tenders at like <laughs> four in the morning when we were watching anchorman um that was another thing too is that, is that like that was your brother andrews just so we know so we're all mm-hmm. here's the story listeners here we're all sitting there and at this point we had finished the long nine hour game of twilight imperium it has been about an hour maybe an hour and a half after that and dennis and i had finished hour long games and we were all sitting down and for some reason at midnight maybe one in the morning we decided to uh start imbibing adult alcoholic beverages (laughs) and a lot of us had a lot and um then we andrew dennis's brother just kind of off the side he's like man i would really like some mcdonald's chicken nuggets right about now and they they were going to DoorDash. I thought Fox. He, said oh, it was Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it was he, just like the guacamole. As soon as somebody said it, like, yep. the whole group was like, "Oh, that sounds amazing." They're like, "Let's that sounds so good." Let's Uber Eats. Let's DoorDash. But it's it's three <laughs> o'clock. Like the, nobody is open still at right. that time. And yeah, right. eventually Trotsky realizes that he has frozen chicken tenders he can make in the oven. And of course, me <laughs> being me, even though. You know, I've had a little too much to drink, and it's three in the morning. I'm like, is he going to use the oven right now? That seems like a like an unwise <laughs> kind of decision. And, but and he did. We're and it talking was fine. about Sam's Club size of chicken tender bags too, like big yeah. bags, Fam- just family and, size and, bags. Yeah, yeah. He he made he makes one, and he puts it down on the table, and we're all watching Anchorman, and it's like a swarm of locusts just come on that thing and everyone just eats just tons and gobs of it. And then all of a sudden the crowd clears and there's just a big empty tray. And it wasn't a little bit, it was a lot. And so he makes round two and sure enough, everybody swarms over round two. <laughs> it was pretty great. Uh, but we did watch Anchorman. What'd you think of Anchorman? Good show, right? Yes. Yeah. It's still my, it's probably still my favorite of at least of Will Ferrell's comedies. I, I would probably have to agree. I have a special place for Anchorman 2 because that's the, actually the first one I saw. I actually but. still haven't seen Anchorman 2. Oh, wow. Um, well, yeah, I, Anchorman I was, was one of the earlier ones that I watched. And I had a, a good buddy for a while who he and I would quote different lines from it in different contexts. I still sometimes will bust out the uh, 
desire smells like that to some people because it's <laughs> it's applicable to so many situations like you know somebody likes a kind of food you don't like and you're just like yeah right desire smells it, like there's that, so but. many line there's so many one-liners to both that and anchorman too that's just you know phenomenal mm-hmm. uh so yeah we we watched that the whole darn thing i'll tell you yeah um so it was it was a a successful and very fun weekend i think we were Several of our friends are starting to show their age by including us who are still recovering from the lack of sleep and yeah I mean mostly mostly just the lack of sleep you know we'd be up all night and then I I would wake up around my normal time like I don't wake up super early compared to to some people but I would wake up at my normal time you know nine o'clock or 8 30 and if I didn't go to sleep until four well you know then I've gotten like four or five hours of sleep, right? It's not enough sleep. And, right. uh, and you do that three days in a row. You do that three days in a row. But I wake up and I'm like, m- maybe I hear voices of people talking or something, but I'm like, I can't go back to sleep now. I'm going to, you know, something might happen that I'm going to miss. Uh, yeah, <laughs> unlike um, ICGCon, this one actually started on Thursday. So we had like an extra right. day of it. Right. Yeah, which, which actually made it feel a lot longer and... Like I remember after Friday was done, I was like, "Wow, it's not even Saturday yet." So yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it was that was a very enjoyable, very enjoyable weekend. But so we did get to actually with our short week and our our coming together, we did uh, watch Ghostbusters two. Right, we had that still on our yep that twenty twenty challenge our, week. That was our our swapped in um, movie challenge because as I said last week, uh, the movie on the poster is the original Ghostbusters, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. but since we watched that, I decided to just swap in Ghostbusters two, and, and we could watch that. I don't know that I'm satisfied with that decision. Um, but <laughs> if that was, a, if that was a fair swap, if that was a fair swap. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about that. This is the 1989 sequel Ghostbusters two. This is like you said, a sequel. Um, it, this felt a lot like a uh i don't want to say money grab sequel but it definitely was a money grab because they didn't really have huge things or a lot of thought into this it didn't feel like i mean there was an era and and it's it's really right in this era like the the late 80s through the 90s and i don't i mean i'm sure that this still happens but it doesn't happen as much like disney did a lot of this like um, so many of the part twos to movies that Disney made were not were not very good. It's like take the same characters, but now you've you know they haven't progressed or they've gone back in the same. Like you watch um Home Alone two is a great movie, but the the like lessons and character growth of Kevin and Kevin's mom are just completely undone. In the right. second movie, like the second movie starts the same way the first one did, and so it's like n- none of the n- none of that meant mattered anything because it, you know people didn't. I'm sure that some people did, but most people were like, "Oh, I really liked that movie. Here's a new one, and it's the same kind of story, and that's fine." Yeah, well, that's that's you know that's led uh, that's led to uh, I mean I guess where I said that's that's the cash grab part of it. That's that's led to why people today have the phrase of how many of those spider-mans do they need to make right because th- that that comes from decades of being that hollywood just made the same movie again 
right. right? They 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 just made the same movie with a little bit of a plot difference, but it's the same beats. It's the same people doing the same things and nothing changing because Hollywood's belief was that we made X amount of dollars off of this. Let's just do another. If we could have two of those exact movies, we could double our money. Right. That's that's just the yeah. easy logic. There were um, a couple things to to start out positive here. There were things in this that were different and interesting, like the the sort of catching up X number of years later and, you know, their their kind of has beens. That's kind of yeah, kind sure. of different. Um, the 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 baby that that uh, Peter and Sigourney Weaver aren't together, and she's been married and has a baby now. Yeah, just like jump ahead in the story. That that kind of stuff was interesting. I will say, um, I saw at least some of this movie when I was a kid. I mm-hmm. we talked about this when we talked about the original, but. Um, I had never seen the original, at least not in its entirety, uh, before we watched it for the podcast. Um, but I have definitely seen this sequel. Um, you know, I had a, I've said this before, I had a cousin who had a VHS collection. And when I would be over at his house, my aunt's house, um, you know, I would see stuff that I might not necessarily have, have seen at home. Well, I definitely wouldn't have seen at home. Um, right. And so... As things, as the movie went and as things happened, um, I was like, oh, I remember this. They send him down and he gets the sample and the little sample ball turns around and it, uh, you know, takes it out of there. Um, Fairly, fairly decent special effects for the era. A lot of that, like, you can tell when stuff was straight up animated uh, because Mm -hmm. that was the technology they had at the time. Um, like even the train scene at the end was pretty good with the ghost at the ghost, end, but like at the middle. ghost train, yeah, the ghost train that that was pretty coolish for the you know effects type things. You the know? Uh, the Slimer or whatever character, mm-hmm. I think in definitely in retrospect was definitely a um, I said definitely twice, but it was very mm-hmm. much a like merch character. Oh yeah. Right, like, right. W- why is he in this movie? Like, he just has this handful of money shots so that they can sell more action figures and plushies, presumably. Yeah, which which that's that's kind of the whole point of this thing. That, that takes us back to what this movie is, is that it's just, you know, like Dennis said, there is a few things in it. And, and yes, the whole plot is different. And yes, they added the pink slime and emotional stuff. But in, in general, there's not breaking any new ground here. There's nothing, they don't even really... They do have the pink slime backpacks, which they added, but I think those were a bad mistake because they just were lame mm. um, compared to the cool, like shocking, you know, <laughs> normal backpacks, pro- right. proton packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that was kind of a step down and, and just gives a feeling of 80s to 90s era uh, sequels where the sequels are never as good as the, as the other ones. Nowadays, hopefully... In some things, they they try, they usually don't green light a a second or third movie because franchises are very important to, to stu- uh, studios these days. Right. And if they have a good thing, the way they don't want to have just another good movie, they want to have ten good movies for thirty years. Sure. Right. So so a lot of movies there are the uh, studios now have at least the sense to like okay, what does it make sense to make this sequel if we do make a sequel. Let's do where we can. 
again, not all of them because we still have five Scream Fives and a million things and more Hollywoods or not Hollywood, but um, Halloweens and stuff than we can. Mm, right. Um, but but anyway, um, this was not one of those you know thought out. Let's put our time and why do we need one and what are we, our characters <laughs> going to continue on? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I didn't. I don't have much to say about the rest of it besides this. It's still uh, Bill Murray doing Bill. I always wonder how they direct Bill Murray. Do they just say, "Here's what's going to happen, Bill. Just go." Right. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how you direct that. There's a scene in particular that I'm thinking about is, or there's two of them. When Bill Murray's interacting with the, the the kid for the first time, like there's no way that those are actual lines. He's just <laughs> ad libbing everything about with that little kid, that baby. Right. You know, and then another one is when they're drilling into the ground in the middle of the road and the police officers come up multiple times. Oh, and he just bluffs his way out of it. Yeah. Like they times. don't, there's no way they write that into the script. I wonder if, if they just say like, and Peter comes up and talks to him. Okay. Go Bill Mary. Yeah. You maybe. Know. I don't know. Right. Uh, Cause he just does a voice and starts doing a thing and which is, it's pretty amazing that, you know, people can't do that much the same way anymore. Sure. Sure. All right. So, so yeah, I said, I don't have much to say about it. The, the, the Vigo, the last guy was uh, whatever. Um, I remember being really annoyed at the statue of Liberty scene, but I wasn't so much this. Really. Yeah. As that was happening, I was like, what's, what's happening? What's going Oh, and now it's moving. And then it took me a minute to remember. Cause I was, you know, not, uh, not half paying attention, but not giving it my full attention. I was like, oh, it's like the toaster thing. I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I wonder why, because it's a movie. Right. <laughs> and it's a movie in the 80s, 90s, was mm-hmm. that that uh, why would people in New York City seeing the Statue of Liberty walking down you know, the, the road be like extremely happy and cheery instead of like terrified and running terrified. for well, it's a, <laughs> the the symbol of hope, right? They needed the positive energy to break. But then, like, they go through the roof, and there's no shield on the roof. So I'm like, okay, what did they need the positive energy for? I'm so confused. <laughs> so confusing. Now, they did have they did expand upon some characters. Like, uh, uh, Janine got a little bit more screen mm-hmm. time, as well as... Annie um, Potts and... Uh, Annie, right. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, right. Yeah, they, they, they did... Get those two together, which was pretty great. Um, I did enjoy that. Um, Winston had some had some more scenes. It was more relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but really, honestly, it is exactly what, in my opinion, my final thoughts here. It's exactly what eighties, nineties sequels used to be. It's just a watered down version of what was before it. Yeah. Okay. Right. In final judgments, um, I don't. I don't think there's any question of putting Ghostbusters 2 on anybody's bucket list. Um, So instead, not that it's bad. If you liked the first one. It's not that it's bad either. You're right. You could watch this. It's it's just the same. It's more of the same. Um, Yeah. For for better or worse. It's not not a trilogy like Back to the Future Part 2 was, you know, a significantly different kind of world building and storytelling than i mean not different storytelling because that's back to the future it's the same you know five beats told over and over but um you know going to the future was a different thing than going to the past um this was you know 
it was almost them catching like, ghosts, getting their yeah, them together. catching ghosts. Yeah. It, it almost had a like direct to video or made for TV kind of feel to it, right? Um, made for TV. That's a good explanation for this. It did feel made for TV. But would you say? And I think I know the answer is for this. But would you say that Ghostbusters belongs on a bucket list? If if you've never seen it, one the original, yeah. I think so. I think I think that it's a you know my my uh, judgment of a bucket list is that it's in, you feel uh, enriched and or not enriched uh, you entertained you, mm-hmm. that you had value for your time and uh, I feel that Ghostbusters Ghostbusters is our friend Fox would hate me for saying this but it is not in the top fifty of that list maybe mm. uh, it might be right around that uh, there's just a lot of great movies and it's a it's a fine movie there's nothing wrong with it but it doesn't age quite as well Mm. and and i don't know if bill murray ages well well this is i think the second and i don't know if there are more than two but the second bill murray movie on this poster um the other one being groundhog day class that's a now see i would put i wonder what you think i would put groundhog day above this one would above, you agree? Above original Ghostbusters? Original, original Ghostbusters, yeah. I think so. I mean, it's hard. You know, of course, for me, I, you know, I watched Ghostbusters for the first time a couple of years ago. And mm. I enjoyed it, but that's not the same as, you know, being a kid in the 80s and seeing it for the first time. Like, Groundhog Day is a much more, uh, let's say, mature story, a more adult story, you know dealing with the nature of time and existence and uh you know relationships um mm-hmm. where i mean there are definitely relationship issues and and threads in in ghostbusters it's much more of a straightforward kind of adventure yeah. story yeah and and i you do bring up a good point this this is one of those nostalgia shows and and i'm trying to a lot of times with this, this our movies is to take away the nostalgia of it and mm. and not look at it that way. Um, because yes, as a child, when this came out as a kid, it was untouchable. It was amazing, you know, classic forever. It was the best. I, it would be in my top ten, top twenty, easy without question. Mm. Uh, but watching it now, putting it into you know compared to other so many other great movies and films and things that have come along since then it's just okay hmm. you know so yeah that, that's where my take on ghostbusters and i know that's not gonna be popular for especially people who were alive <laughs> and you know a kid when this came out sure uh, and i was one of those kids all right um next week we will be watching the prestige hmm. uh christopher nolan again 2006 there's a lot of nolan on this poster yeah i can't Uh, remember if i've seen this one i've seen one of those that came out at the same time i think it was was the illusionist is that another one we watched the illusionist for the podcast i i at the time when these were new liked the illusionist better i think just because i like jessica beale more than Scarlett Johansson. Maybe but that's why we watched it is because you had recommended it. I think so. And then when we watched it again, I was like, yeah, this is just okay. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> where this one has Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Um, it's again. So Batman and Wolverine? 
Batman and Wolverine. I wonder how many movies uh, Christian Bale has done with Nolan. I mean, this is at least two. We watched uh, right. The Dark Knight way back at the beginning. Well, and four because there are three Batmans, but yes. True, true. At least four. Um, and I think Memento is on this list, though we'll have to... We watched... We did Memento on the show already, so we'll find something else. But anyway, right. in the next half a week that we have left because we're recording late we're gonna watch mm-hmm. the prestige and talk about it uh, sounds cool looks good hey inception's not on the, is inception on this list i don't think so because I, I hear so much about that movie and i have not watched that yet and i knew i saw it come up on netflix and i'm like oh maybe that's one that i should should check out oh you haven't seen hey, it i have not and I don't know. I keep going back and forth. Like it seems to be a must see, and everyone talks about it as a must see. And then I ran. I think actually, I believe it was you that I heard not even a week ago randomly say to somebody, like, "Well, <laughs> it doesn't have a you know, it has one of those unclear, you don't know really what uh, it means endings." And I'm well, like, "Oh, we, I do not want that." I sa- I said that last week, and we were talking about 2001: A Space Odyssey. Sorry, right. I so, didn't realize so I, you hadn't <laughs> seen it. <laughs> right. So so I get I get into this like, oh, I got to watch it because it sounds exciting to the No, I don't want the ending. But, you know, so I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. Sure. Uh, speaking of watching things and combining that all with um, Fox DenCon, we actually all sat down as a big group and did a bunch of mystery science theater while watching Picard. Yeah, weekend. not not recommended um, watching a show that so including myself were. Uh, very very anxious and and in anticipation to see after going to the bar and and having too much very strong craft beer um yeah i right and and we were all a lot of people were like that and there's a lot of peanut gallery i'm sure that i'm sure that i was i mean i remember at one point (laughs) um thinking that some some romulan characters were vulcan which you know is is egregious for me how could i have not but you know they don't <laughs> no it's right you didn't they, know the difference <laughs> they they didn't have those those padded quilted uniforms with the pointy shoulders so how was i supposed to know it's their they, ears man that it's they were wrong they have the exact same ears as vulcans that's the whole They're thing thicker ears they have thicker ears no they, they, it just seems that way because they don't have bowl cuts like all the vulcans do well well this um uh, I will say something, a comment about the viewing ways is that uh, several of our listeners who also listen to one of our, our great uh, um, co-podcasts in, in Geek Scholars, uh, Jill was watching it with us. And I know Fox and Jill were super excited to watch this this mm-hmm. show and to see it. And they had, they had patiently waited. They did not watch it when it came out. They didn't watch it in the day. They were all going to watch this thing. But, oh, man, it felt like, you know heat was emanating from from poor jill when mm. all of our friends were like comment gallerying it the whole time so i i hope yeah. that she this week had some time to sit and and, and watch it and watch it in some quiet and it's not right. like i mean we watched the pilot of uh, uh season eight game of thrones together it's <laughs> right. just it can't be after the bar like that's just a recipe for disaster well let's talk about that first episode and i am going to hit the bell we're talking about uh cbs new series star trek picard okay so we could talk about it but i'm not sure if i want to give it any kind of judgment or recommendation sure i I mean i think that it's much too soon yeah it's much too soon to say we're gonna i mean maybe if there's i mean there there are things to spoil 
definitely. But sure, sure. Um, so uh, let's just let's just start at the top. This is not an episodic show. Yes, like it's now, it's telling heard... one, it or maybe more than one, but it's it's telling a big story. I have heard, and this was only from one reviewer who had seen three episodes that it oh. was very episodic, huh. but within the but they've seen three so maybe that's maybe we're wrong but i'll tell you what from this first one it definitely does not feel that way it feels like this is the first 10 minutes of an of an hour and a half long 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 movie movie. we're watching the wire or something maybe maybe it'll do kind of a mandalorian thing where the the individual episodes especially in the middle arc of the season become more uh um contained self-contained yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. So I, I will say that from this, it does feel like I, I can't put a judgment on this or any kind of things. I, I, what I can feel about is that I definitely, for the first time, well, I guess in Old Man Logan, uh, Patrick Stewart started to really show his like a actual age. Mm-hmm. And I think in this one, too, he, he does, for the first time in a while, actually start to look like a frail 80-some-year-old man, which he, sure. he, kind of, he kind of is. Some some um, combination is of, yeah, some combination of actual age and acting age, right? Like, it, the, sure. the character as written is kind of, you know, just tired of life. Um, and so th- that, that, I think, ex- exaggerates some of that. Um, I mean, he even made the comment. He says it's it's the when he's talking about his dreams. He says anymore, it's the waking up that I'm resenting. Mm. Which that kind of was a little dark statement there that it, that he sure. made. But yeah, I mean um, that's that that happens. Yeah, so it's uh it it is heavily centered around data, which was mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a surprise. Um, data, yeah. Uh, Brent Spiner's data does not look as old as I would have expected. I wonder how much. Right. Uh, cg they're doing there or um, or found footage you think not found footage but like because some of those shots i was wondering if they were using footage from when he was in those because he doesn't look considerably older than he did when they were making the movies and the last the last movie nemesis or whatever what had to have been like 15 years ago uh, 20 i think is what because he mentions two decades ago was when i thought i know that's yeah. like in in series but it's kind of they do that the 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 thing is is that you know uh, they have they have shown yeah, right yeah they have shown um you know picard at chateau picard in the future several times you've seen this before like sure. you've seen the la- it was at the very last next generation episode is when he goes to the f- future a lot and uh data is there and he's doing a lot of stuff you know walking in the fields and talking to picard and doing stuff and i wonder if there isn't some reused shots that they may have used i i just feels that he did not seem older unless he's been doing some kind of special <laughs> facelift things but well we've been we've been talking for the last year or so about um, Marvel and their yeah. and their de aging technology. True. There there could be some of that at play here. I don't know. I know that I know that Data in Nemesis Brent Spiner started to look visibly older, and I was thinking like, oh, he can't play a robot that's ageless anymore. <laughs> right, 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 because he's looking older. And this one did. This one looked like great. So anyway, it's Data's stuff. I was a little 
disappointed that they didn't mention Lal at all, his first daughter. That's kind what of that we, I I don't remember that episode. What I mean, I remember it. I don't remember the details. What happens to her at the end? Of, doesn't she like? Isn't she non-viable? Doesn't she? Yeah, break she, they down? have to kill her. They have to kill. Well, they kind of kill her. I mean, she she has emotions, mm. and she's becoming more and more, you know, erratic and not erratic ha- and handling unstable. it. And her her positronic matrix is breaking down. Mm. So the only way to do it, it's kind of like they euthanize her so much. This yeah, week. and and even weirder twist: Data absorbs her memories. Hmm. Uh, so it. it it is what it is, but it's just that's definitely his daughter. That's a real thing that he made and he actually created. Right. So they don't even mention her. And this one was like, she always wanted a daughter. And like, well, you freaking did, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, anyway, um, I will say that the protagonist so far in this one episode isn't terribly engaging. I'm one, and it doesn't feel like the actress is doing a lot for me so it's just so one episode. so the so the titular picard is not the protagonist is that what you're saying Ooh. <laughs> uh don't what do you think i the, mean yeah i don't i mean time will tell i guess we got a lot of we got a lot of screen time with her i've already forgotten her name that vosh something like that no no it was droge i knew it was something is weird right I wanted what? to call her Rogue or, or, Do- or Dodge. Dodge, that's it. that's it. Dodge, yeah. I wanted to call her Dodge. The I knew whole time. it. I knew it had a Dodge. soft, a soft J at the end. Right. Um, yeah, but it's she interesting. Seems like the main I, character, but I was, not, but. I was geared up a little bit to be kind of annoyed at the politics of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, the the pilot um, didn't really allay those concerns but it it's not as um egregious that i as i feared i'm using a lot of weird big words there but um they didn't really talk about it a whole lot no like stuff is just dropped in there and you're it in in some ways it doesn't matter and in some ways you have to know a bunch of stuff to really get all the nuance i know that um someone that they interviewed in the in the creative the, the producers or or whatever of the show wanted to make it accessible to both someone who's never seen an episode of next generation and someone who's seen every episode mm-hmm. which is a very lofty goal um yeah. but um you don't necessarily need to know you know what happened that caused um, the Romulan Romulus, the Romulan homeworld to be destroyed. Um, you know, enough information is given you to say their homeworld was destroyed and then um, the Earth shipyards were attacked. Not Earth shipyard, they're at Mars. But Mars. Starfleet's shipyards were attacked by, what do they call them? Synthetics? Synthetics. Yeah. Um, Which is weird. That's a weird change because they called them Android the entire time. They call them androids. I don't know. They're going so they're going for a little bit of alien slash uh, uh, Cylon Battlestar Galactica, and yeah. I mean alien the show. Is that the show? Well, Blade Runner does this too. The like, um, android or or synthetic life forms that are, you know, potentially indistinguishable from humans. 
um, they sort of did that with the changelings, except the changelings were life forms. They were not robots. Um, but the, I mean, the changeling thing is the, is the shapeshifter. They're the Kree. Um, I mean, you're right. This is just, they're human and you can't tell, like she looks human, but potentially is not. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're right. They do do a good job in this very first one of setting up everything you need to know. They're, they're honestly, I, I do believe that they've reached the goal of you don't have to watch any of the Star Treks at all to know everything is said pretty well without a whole lot of exposition. Like they're, they make things like quickly say, be the, the great order that you were or, you know, diplomat or something. So you kind of know immediately, even if you've never seen this guy, that he's some great past diplomatic, you know, ship captain slash admiral big important guy you you know right. that from just the speaking the speech that had speech of, of people around him right so that's and then he does have the, the interview which is is important they talk about quickly the the supernova and things which by the way i want to comment on this is the very first star trek we have seen post jj abrams change to the future right right because he 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 mentions that that Ambassador Spock tries to stop the the homeworld from uh, the Romulan world uh, homeworld from being destroyed in a supernova, and he gets thrown back in time. But he said he didn't stop it. So we do know that in future timeline, Romulus gets destroyed by a supernova, but we never have actually seen anything of that future. Oh, we haven't. Okay. I was I was a little confused because that didn't, you know, spark any memories with me. And when I first heard it, again, confusing Romulus and Vulcan. Um, yeah, because Vulcan gets destroyed in the past. Right. I, well, yeah. And that's like, I just heard that offhand and I didn't give it much thought. And I thought that they were going to bring in elements of the Kelvinverse or the J.J. Abrams um uh, uh, Star Trek timeline, but they're no. It feels very they're not. Good, this very is, good. and of yeah. course, it's far enough in the future that, of course, that makes sense. I just hadn't, I hadn't thought it through. And then when I watch the show, I'm like, oh no, this is thing. Maybe that happened in a movie that I didn't catch, but they they didn't. It's no. It's a reference. It feels like it's a different. It's a it's a, a tangent tangential timeline that that Ambassador Spock was in the proper for lack of a better term, 616 version, which is the Marvel equivalent of, <laughs> oh, right. uh, of the, the, the uh, Jean-Luc Picard, you know, the one universe, next generation universe. And then he hit a timeline, went back and it split off into right. a totally separate thing, which is what JJ Abrams has said. This is the way that they do it. It's a whole different thing. You don't know how Kirk and Spock are going to do things. That's why we have, you know, into darkness, which is so different. And mm-hmm. so that's a whole different timeline, but what was the timeline is that Romulus is destroyed and that by a we supernova by a supernova. And we did get to see, now we get to see the actual repercussions, which is pretty neat. This is branching TV series with new movies, with old movies. Yeah. Kind of and cool. I know the, the concern, and, and I said this in our, in our group chat, you know, jokingly is that they were going to paint Starfleet and the Federation, like present day United States, very um, insular and isolationist, which is like 
how do you Which do they kind of do how do you do isolationism in space um but if you think back on the you know 50 plus years that this franchise is well maybe not in the 60s but at least as far back as next generation and some some deep space nine stuff they definitely had moments where a significant enough threat to starfleet and the federation happened that they react to in extreme ways right yeah they there's there's a whole um storyline in deep space nine about how dr bashir is a sort of spoiler for deep space nine the 25 year old tv show um dr bashir is genetically engineered slightly and they have a massive ban like starfleet and the federation have a massive ban on genetic engineering because of khan and the other augments right? right augmented augmented humans and that's a thing where like just for forever and ever this this one you know scientific practice is completely taboo or i mean they do that in all of star trek the whole cloaking thing right the cloaking right. thing with um the borg well not the borg with the dominion but earlier with the borg like they build the defiant the defiant is clearly a warship and starfleet's whole thing is you know exploration and inclusion and you know this utopian thing but they've definitely they've definitely experienced threats that made them react in you know a a protective kind of way and so if you have this idea of um you know synthetic life forms before you even get to the to the cylon aspect of it where they could be masquerading as humans like they attack mars that's that's right next door in yeah. you know star trek terms that's right next door to earth like that's a serious threat right and um, it's not like 15 people are killed they said like 96,000 people yeah and so it's right. it's extreme for sure to say that that starfleet could become isolationist but it's not outside the realm of possibility right well, Sure. If you if you consider that threat from that perspective, and it's like the shipyards, right? Like that's their ability to produce starships. Like you know that all has to be rebuilt, and so I can see in all that time it being it being that way. And it, I don't know. We'll see as the show goes, like how important that is to the overall plot, or if we're telling a more quiet personal story about. Um, Dodge and Jean-Luc and you know right. how that relates well, to data. Yeah, the the that's the real thing here is that it while yes there is some politics with Starfleet and or not sorry yeah Starfleet actually in particular um the real crux of the political turmoil here is is really just about the synthetics. I mean that's the the synthetics yeah. seem to be the the main storyline going on here and and the the um the political part is just a bit of a uh, this is why it's an important thing, right? Right. It's kind of a background. So far, at least in this first episode, that just seems like to be a background for why we're having this, this yeah, series it, like this. It seems like a little bit of world building. Yeah, um, which is interesting because oh, actually, that does tie really nicely into uh, Star Trek Discovery's their last short trek, where they there you almost kind of want to watch that. Well, before you watch Picard so that you can understand that, you know, these synthetic people killing families 
yeah you know humans it, it makes it much more real and believable why starfleet would say this is done this is a law you know we're we're done with and, this and if i think back to um as i was saying you know this that thing about it being world building about it being uh you know context or backdrop um that's a lot of times where star trek stories are told right if you think about deep space nine deep space nine opens with this with all of this context you're like i mean i mean we already have been introduced to bajorans and cardassians but we're like you know the bajorans are here on their world the they were occupied by Cardassians, and this is a Cardassian station. And you know, you're coming here, and there are these different personalities sort of conf- uh, coming into conflict. And you know, there's all of this uh, stuff with the wormhole and the prophets, and and all of this. But while yes, there are stories, there are episodes with stories about that. Most of the stories are about people. Like, you have to understand, or you have to have some sense of what the Cardassian occupation meant to the people of Bajor to understand why uh, the character of Kira, Major Kira, thinks and behaves and believes the way that she does. Right. Like, that's where the real story is. The The overarching politics are just context. Yeah, and that's what this does here, too. It's just, at least in this very first episode, it's just a, this is the situation we're in, this is why this happens and why we are, and why it's important that our, our primary character is important. Right. Right. And and it also ties into Picard with Data, because we all think Data, and I don't know, I guess this goes back to the very beginning of this conversation, is that they made Data important, um, which is sure. kind of cool. You know, it's not just a picard show i I was all i know we saw the trailer with the the cameos but i was (laughs) i was indeed hoping that it wasn't just a picard only with you know new people in there that we would have we would have some important things with our our past characters and they do right off with data um they they do a little bit more exposition i think because i've watched this the second time through um with the scientist lady uh, or that she's the one that's explaining all the things they oh, show right. what happened to be mm-hmm. which is a weird thing they aban- they straight off abandoned before right like, yeah in nemesis the whole crux of nemesis was that we're killing data it's permanent and we're starting with a new character before mm. like a new child character that's how that movie ends and it's like okay the future whatever future movies we're going to have is going to have this new b4 character in this one, they're like, nope, we're going back to Data, and we're going to have B4 and be in a box. Yeah, that is that is weird. I don't I don't weird. remember very much of that movie. It was a long time. <laughs> Justifiably so. Uh, but anyway, they, they put him in a box, and they show him right off so you don't have questions about him. Yeah, um, so it's right. You, although they do, some, they, they do a bunch of Star Trek hand-waving here at the end. They start talking about, like, if we can just get a small amount of data's positronic DNA or something like, well, <laughs> before it was right there and he transferred stuff and whatever, you know? Right, right. So, uh, Star trek hand-waving. So anyway, sure. it was fun. I, I, I said can't really review it or say it's good or bad. I think you'll have to see it it's, in the whole. It's early to say, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's neat. It's always neat to see 
the future of the future. The future of the future. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, what did I see? Re- oh, two thousand one, a space odyssey. I was th- something. <laughs> something made me think of first contact, and I was like, "What was it?" Yeah. yeah. Um, I. It, as far as other things, I've been watching. Um, HBO's new sci-fi. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, Avenue Five has started up. Oh yeah, you, you know you you talked about that last week, saying that you saw one episode. Have I've seen another one since then. I've I've seen two. Um, okay. This has Hugh Laurie as yep. a as a ship captain. It's a cruise ship in space. So it's at some point in the future. We see very little of Earth. It mostly takes place on this cruise ship. Um, it's a comedy, but so far the jokes are very on the nose. Um, yeah. One of the passengers is a Karen type character. If you know what that, if you know what I mean by that. Yep. Um, like the the memes, a Karen. Mm-hmm. Karen always wants to speak to the manager, like right. just a very pushy customer kind of person. Right. Um, and that character is literally named Karen, so ah. that tells you something of how of how the writing is. It's yeah. it's comedy, but it's very uh, like macabre, very kind of dark while still being still trying to be really goofy. It's it's weird uh, trying to figure out what sort of tone they're going for, but okay. we'll see. I'll probably keep watching it and uh, and see how it goes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one that I, I definitely want you to keep me kind of informed on. Because sure, sure, I, I like comedy and I like sci-fi. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, God knows I love the Orville, right? Uh, right. Which which I can't. You know, there's I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the Orville with like because of the sale to to Disney and such, but. It's, oh. it's coming back sometime, but the way I understand it, it's not till late late this year. Oh, um, that's a it's a Fox show, isn't it? Was a Fox show. I mean, well, it's still yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a uh, Hulu exclusive going to be now. So oh, that's a that's the thing. And uh, yeah, I'm I I can't wait. I love I love Orville. I think it's got some great fans. The creator, who is also Captain Mercer on the show, is. A, a huge fan of the show, of course, creator, director, everything. He yeah, loves Seth it. MacFarlane. It's a passion project, so he, he'll keep going with it. Um, and I know that he is one of the most valuable television assets that are out there, McFarlane is. He, sure. he makes lots of money for people, and he makes lots <laughs> yeah. of money for Disney because they own you know Family Guy and yeah. uh, stuff. So it's, it's, they'll keep him around. They're, they'll pay him. and uh, It's an interesting thing what, what Disney is doing with Hulu is that they're putting their – we don't quite know what to do yet with these shows on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels almost like Hulu will be a proving ground. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, until, until it can go over to, to straight Disney+. I, Plus I wonder that. what the numbers are. I've never liked Hulu. Because it's yeah. so... Like, for so long, there was no way to get any of it without ads. And there might yeah. there might even still be some of it that that still has ads like no matter how much you're paying i despise ads and that's why is, I, I did not yeah i mean it's it's ads like we're back watching broadcast tv and they don't they still after you know 10 however many years they've been operating still don't get enough ads right so right. you end up seeing the same ads three times in an hour-long tv show which is not yeah i, I that, signed up I, for I I can't see how that's effective for anybody. Oh, I know. I, I signed up for a week of um, 
the week trial that they had seventy trial, and then I binged just so I could binge watch the last season of Park, Parks and Rec, and then I mm. never, then I discontinued because yeah. I, I, I just the the whole commercial thing kills me. And I, I know we were running around with this with Hulu, but just what it is, and they have some things on there. Sure, I believe they have the Seinfeld, but I'm not sure if that's where it was. Or there was a show or two that I know that was exclusive to there at once. Maybe Family Guy, maybe is what it was. Oh, uh, so. So that's that's fine, but I, yeah, you're right. I, I'd never been, and I so much so that I have the year long at least to Disney Plus, but I did not buy the Hulu upgrade, right? Because I mean, I guess there's a few things on there that I, I could probably watch, but you know, I, I'm a big believer that you don't have to buy all the streaming services. There's no reason, you know. <laughs> sure, um, you can just be like fine with that. So anyway, uh, this seems to be their their kind of. I think they're they're a little bit of a testing ground where okay, it's not our flagship series is that we're going to put on Disney plus we're going to put, you know, experimental shows, but for new, new content that, you know, right now, Disney plus is, is still starving a little bit and working that through. So if sure. there's reasons why to still keep your Netflix type things, not that that's in danger of going anywhere, but, no. um, uh, CBS, for example, CBS is, is they do have a content stream that they're working on, to, to get on stuff. And I'm, I'm not suggesting everybody run out and get CBS all access, but the star Trek alone is making that, that platform. Right. I mean, I don't even know what else they have on there. Yeah. Some of their reality shows. Hey, um, reality shows. I heard little birdie told me that you have actually watched, uh, joined in on watching a reality oh, show man. recently. Is that, is that true? I, I wasn't necessarily going to confess to that. On the I know, show. but I'm, I'm putting you on air about this. So sev- several of our friends, um, are are I don't even know what <laughs> word to, to use. Say it for out this, loud. Go ahead. They, go ahead. They they watch The Bachelor and also maybe also The Bachelorette. Um, man, this is a whole thing, and we're we're like almost at. No, no, hour. we don't have to talk about it a lot. I'm I'm just get. I want to get your first off. I want you to get your admission that that you watched it too, which we now established, and and two. Uh, how are you? Fe- what's your What's your emotions feeling? How's it? Oh my, my gosh, I can't even. I can't even with this show. <laughs> I can't um, even with this show. <laughs> I, you know, I I go all the way back to <laughs> my first my first couple years of college, and I know that you watch Survivor, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember when Survivor first started, and it's not like I'm, I mean I'm younger than you. I I was in mm-hmm. college, my first year of college, when when Survivor happened, and I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And heard just enough about it that I was like, "Oh, that I expected it to be a Bear Grylls kind of." Even though this, yeah, me too, before, totally. Before 100%. Bear Grylls, like I yeah. expected, like hardcore, literal survival. Survival. Me too. That's why I did not watch the first two seasons. But it, but it's not. It's this game show out in the show. desert. Correct. And I was like, "That's dumb." And then time went on, and I was definitely the. This is again. Before even hipster was a thing, and now hipster I don't think is a thing people say anymore. <laughs> I'm sure that some people do, but I was that hipster in the back, you know, in the, of the room, you know, playing StarCraft or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, no, I don't want to watch that. That's dumb. They're not really surviving. Or no. American Idol happened, and I'm like, okay, cool singing contest. That's lame. Um, just <laughs> all of it was lame. And then in bits and pieces, when I learned about, um, you know, some of these other 
quote unquote reality shows that were competitive. I was like, I'm not interested in any of that. Well, <laughs> saying reality TV is this massive umbrella genre label now. So I had to sort of break it down because I'll watch something like this old house or yeah. I, I, for a while, um, after being out at the bar would come home and watch pawn stars because sure. the like the characters were ridiculous, but the stuff was fascinating. Like right. what mean, kind of price is he going to get for that? Too big of a thing to say that you don't right. like or do like. And what I always said about this kind of show is that they film these people all the time, and then do a lot of editing to sensationalize their personality to to yeah. put them into stereotypes and just do a lot of. Um, you know, emotional sort of things that to me have the effect of making the people who watch them worse people, <laughs> which <laughs> okay. again, that's super like hipster judgmental uh, <laughs> attitude and perspective for me to have. But, um, our friends watch this show. It airs on Monday, which is oh, the same not, time not as we all record. of our friends, just so we know, not all of our friends like, said that we won't, shall not be named like five of our friends right. i won't name any names um and so i said after you know after a couple things and posts and this is like the second or third year we've seen this you know they're using one of our one of our chat channels to talk about it and you know <laughs> we never know what's going on i'm like all right i have just enough morbid curiosity i'm gonna watch some of this and see just how whatever it is right. um most of the prejudices I have held for the last 10 years to 15 years are true. <laughs> um, That's right. Validated. You were vindicated in your beliefs. Validated, right. vindicated. The, but the worst part about that is that I can still watch it and he, the guy, the bachelor, will be in a, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, he'll be off in the corner and they're doing the spy cam thing like they did in the office except here it's quote unquote real mm -hmm. and like the <laughs> it's I want to believe that it's all fake but so much of it does seem real as far as the 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 emotions and the feelings involved right right like when people are being honest and sincere with each other or with one person you know one of the girls will say certain things to to the other girls but say a different thing to him and i'm like that's so it's real in the worst way right, right. you're like you're like yes people people do that people are manipulative or or two-faced or or yeah. whatever and, and and here's just catching it on film you're just catching it on film now what i do do is i've i've not watched it it you know ex exclusively mm -hmm. i put it on in picture in picture while i'm questing and wow <laughs> okay. and so so i'm listening to it and i'm occasionally looking down to see if they're doing something you know that's more visible than just <laughs> talking um right. you know they're going to cedar point or or something like that um but i'm so i'm not giving it my full attention which is i don't know a it's little important bit of for a, you to qualify about a little right? bit of a qualifier for me but yeah. uh yeah it's uh i i will say that i i uh 
in that thing, I, I will say, Dennis, admit that I have had those feelings too about that show. Like, maybe I should, maybe I should watch it because I, when that big craze started, I, I was married and my then wife and I watched half yeah. of a season of something called do you want to marry him? Who wants to marry a millionaire? Who wants to marry a millionaire? I remember right. that one. And, and I and I remember like I got it. I got what was happening here because the guy was like a genuine guy that like actually wanted to find somebody that he cared right. about and and had a thing. And 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 these women were clearly money grubbers, but you know he had to weed through them to find one that was genuine. So was real, I, right. I I get I get that, and I get that like okay maybe it's a thing. So I. Had that I've had the occasional that, that thoughts about doing it, and when you said that too, I was like, "Oh man, am I gonna have to watch this too?" Um, and then somebody posted a short, like a segment in our chat of a YouTube where they went roller derbying or something, mm. and I watched. It's like four minutes; can't be that long. But I watched sure. it, and I was like, "Oh my!" The emotions that I had were just <laughs> like, "I am so glad." That I watch this instead of diving into the series because to, to the whole show. Uh, I will say. I've seen four episodes now. It annoys me that every episode, even without commercials, is an hour and a half long. But since it's sort of on in the background, it's I don't mind it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, as time has gone on, I'm seeing how they never talk about, like, the meta of, like, how different things happen and different decisions are made. But, like, they're – I assume the show is in California. And in the fourth episode, they go to Ohio. And he goes on a one-on-one date with one of the girls and they go to cedar point and then they go to this open air concert but the concert is a guy who was her ex who was her boyfriend right before she came on the show what okay. and i'm like they're in ohio there's no way that the producers did not orchestrate this situation for to sure. whip up to whip up drama and i'm like okay i see what you're doing here yeah the one thing the one other That's thing I terrible. will say, and then, and, and yeah, it, it was the the one last thing I'll say before we wrap up the show here. Um, <laughs> my my family and I have tried to watch a handful of of reality shows, and I'm fine with any of the like just informative or like. There's a show on on Netflix that's really good called The Repair Shop, where yep. just a yep. bunch of artisan restorers you know restore things yeah um, there's no competition or anything like that i dig several and of those shows yeah we've we've tried to watch shows like my dad and brothers are all are or were hunters or sport shooters and mm-hmm. we tried to watch a show about sport shooting right they're like they're gonna try and do these shots and then they're gonna do these shots except somebody gets voted off every week so a half hour show has has two minutes of shooting and 20 minutes of drama and crying like like, this is such a complete waste of my time and then they do the the cable or broadcast tv thing which bachelor does too where they keep re-showing the same clips and they keep explaining things after every commercial break because it's supposed to still be able to draw you in if you're flipping channels which i'm yeah. sure that somebody does but i have not flipped channels in you know I, 10 I, years yeah, I, I will say that that uh of those game show things it's there's a, there's a testament to why and i know this is my third one but why survivor has lasted is because they have continued to tweak and inv- uh, evolve and improve because i've watched i've tried to go back and watch earlier seasons and i'm like oh man this is this is terrible tv this is horrible mm. stuff and it's just because like oh well they they've improved the quality of people they get here they get they realize oh. that just acerbic uh aggressive people aren't good they may make okay 
one season things, but they're not like good sure. TV, right? Right. Sure. And, and every and every other game show reality show has now picking evil characters. They have to do something <laughs> to make it actually interesting. Sure, um, to keep it to keep right. it interesting. The, but but other shows so, don't really do that. They just have one season or two seasons. They're like, let's do all the drama, all the worst person. Right. 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 Which gives so the the game. one so the one thing that sort of helps that concept with the bachelor is that there isn't something else it's not like there's a bunch of drama and they're pretending that it's a show about shooting guns or baking or whatever like it's just this it's a show about drama so of course there's drama that's what Um, makes it worse for me i think that's why i don't think i could watch it i think that's my least favorite part of any real well yeah that's a it's a min max you're like well if that's if that's all this is but to me it it helps it a little bit to be like yeah it's not it's not pretending to be it's honest about yes it's just <laughs> it a, a terrible what did i what did i call it's a bunch it? of like dudes a, fighting over a girl or, or a bunch of girls fighting over a, a bunch dude. of girls fighting over a guy and it's it's like a feelings car crash in slow motion that you you know what you said that on i think i didn't get a comment that i that said is, it in I chat think, last night. i think that is a great description of way i understand these shows it's it's the slow an hour and a half long terrible feelings Car crash. Car, you know. car crash. Now, right. if you want to watch a competitive voting off show that's not terrible, um, I highly recommend making it with Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. Um, it's very wholesome. I've heard that's got a very wholesome. There used to be a show that um, so uh, the Mark Burnett, the creator of Survivor and Amazing Race and things like that, um, after survivor was found out to be just a, a game show type thing he he had said that like he did do this and he knows what it is but he kind of really did want to make like a survival show right like mm. with real survivor things and he did for like there was like two seasons or something like called like an eco challenge or something um and okay. it was a an actual like okay survival thing where they have to get through kind of like a race type thing and they go through mountains and deserts and stuff and like and it was composed of professional survival people like bear grills would be mm. on it you know um and then yeah. occasional one person on the team was uh uh anakin skywalker from the prequels like you know hayden mm. christensen or something hayden christensen yeah. right so but you it was good it was like actual like you every once in a while you'll get those shows that are our actual like real people that do this thing right right and it's not just about the drama and the drama that was on those shows are oftentimes very real drama. It's like, you know, I'm freezing here and, uh, you know, I can't feel my feet anymore and I need to get to, to shelter. And that's the drama that happens, you know, so. Um, right. And, and I, I enjoy those the most. I truly do. And they're, they're a rare find, but they're because they do have like real stakes. Um, sure. Sure. But I enjoy those. Well, that's enough reality talk for this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next week we'll be talking about the prestige. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably episode two of Star Trek Picard. Yep, tomorrow. Um, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, my whole week is thrown off by this recording <laughs> Wednesday thing. Whole thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and, and prestige. Maybe, maybe some other things, so, so we'll yeah. see. You have been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 127, 127. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Um, if you like Star Trek... You can check out our other show, Klingons and Dragons, KlingonsandDragons.com. It is a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. We just put up a new episode uh, tonight, actually, but last week when this show airs. Um, 
what did I say? Uh, Star Trek Adventures Role Playing Podcast. It's not safe for work. Don't no. uh, put it on <laughs> if your kids are in the car. Um, if you have feedback, questions, comments, tell us your favorite Ghostbusters movie. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> right. Tell, our tell email, us about why why Ghostbusters is should be the first one on on no. on your hundred movie bucket list. Yeah. Uh, shoot us an email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail dot com. Or go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. There are contact forms, comment boxes on every episode, the schedule for the 100 movies. That's always a little bit inaccurate. Uh, if you like the show, you can subscribe, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Go Front Porch. Hi, everybody. See you next time.